Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome back to the BN Multi Podcast. This is episode four, and here I am again with Dr. Aaron Deer from Gastro Melbourne Gastro Surgery. Aaron, today we were going to discuss just different things that uh, patients might be able to do to bring about the best outcomes for their long-term weight loss, I suppose, and also their journey overall. What would you see as the best things that um, your patients have implemented and seen as a long-term and overall healthy lifestyle result? Absolutely. And thank you, Jackie, for the opportunity to talk to you again. Uh, It's always a delight. Um, Look, I think over the course of last, uh, you know, over two decades, we have seen that there are some things that absolutely work for people and some things don't. The one thing that I can say, hand on heart, which doesn't work is when people have the surgery, but I see this more with women for some reason, is that when they are still stuck on calorie counting, Mm. it's not a great long-term strategy. And the one reason for that is that calorie counting builds up a level of subconscious anxiety. I see. And that stress and, uh, you know, of how much calories there in this and whether this is right or wrong. I think when you just relax in the moment sometimes and just make a conscious decision of what actually is right Mm. what is the right thing to do and then tune into your body's sensations because sometimes you do feel like having a chocolate and there's nothing wrong with that we all indulge but we don't splurge out right and that's the fine balance that people need to understand and the other practice that i've seen which doesn't work is to try and weigh yourself every day yes uh because once again for the same reason not that the weighing scale is kind of you know doing something to you mm. but what it is actually doing to you is you hurting your own body by creating that stress and that anxiety that even builds up from a night before for many women yes and it happens to men as well, but more mostly I've seen this with women. Mm. So I guess in answer to your question, there are certain short-term ground rules that we tell our patients. Like immediately after surgery, the ground rules are five. We provide plenty of opportunities for people to remember these. Mm. One is chew your food well, because you're not in a rush. You're not throwing food in. You know? So chew your food well. Rule number two is don't mix solids with liquids. Because generally speaking, and that's a hard one for some people to do because we are so used to eating and drinking at the same time. But what happens is when you're eating and drinking at the same time on a smaller stomach, which is your new arrangement now, it causes the food to get washed down very quickly and you're hungry again. Yes. That's the rationale behind it. So the mechanism for liquids passing through the, the tummy will always let liquid through. That's right. So that lumen is open and letting everything flush straight through the sleeve. Is that correct? Well, with the sleeve, you still have this valve called the pylorus, oh. which is still there. But with the bypass, it has been lost. Right. So every time you eat and drink, food goes straight into your small bowel. And some people might have a dumping syndrome, even when they are not eating those commonly blamed fluids, such as shakes and all of that, Mm. they can still have a dumping syndrome without it. 
The thing with the sleeve, what happens when you reduce the volume is that the gastric emptying gets faster. So already the emptying is faster, and then you're putting fluid through as well besides the solid. It gets even more quicker, creating that washdown effect. I see. So that's the rationale. And does that then also affect absorption of nutrients doing it that way? Well, they're more diluted, you know. Mm. So again, my theory is perhaps not, but what happens is dilutes the enzymes yes. that digest your food. Which so you will have more undigested food residue in the distal or the lower small bowel, mm. which creates issues like bloating. Yes, There is a lot of, sometimes, you know, people have like, they just have the wind pain, the bloating and the distension and all of that. And that's just that fast transit. That's fast time. transit and mm. food has not had a chance to digest. So it ferments more, yes. which is because of the action of the bacteria which are in the colon, in the large mm. bowel. Yeah, we do hear that question raised quite a lot in patients yeah. is why can't I eat and drink? Correct. So there's the answer. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And so um, we're talking about best outcomes. Mm. Overall, we're looking at changing food habits after surgery and uh, a new way of thinking about food. What do you think also as far as, do we need to talk about exercise as far as bringing about a, a healthy result? Absolutely. Look, exercise, I say, is not a good weight loss strategy by itself. Mm. And several studies have proven this. But exercise is required for fitness and for optimizing your metabolism. We know from multiple caloric studies that have been done that exercise leads to, uh, you know, burning only 20 to 30 percent of your total calorie intake. That's right. So you can't burn off all the calories that you have gained from eating the pint of ice cream the day before. So when they say one Tim Tam equals 10 minutes on the treadmill, is that not the truth? It's absolutely not the (laughs) truth, you know. So the point I'm trying to make over here is that exercise is a very good fitness strategy. Mm. I tell my patients that every day they need to exercise to a point where their heart rate, based on their age, so Mm. for someone who's, say, 40 years of age, their heart rate needs to go up to 160 to 170 for 20 minutes every day. Now, whether that's by cardio, by swimming, and there are plenty of heart rate monitors these days that are available. Mm. And that gives them a good idea of, you know, this is the amount that I need to exercise. And it's manageable. It's sustainable Mm. in our busy lifestyles. You can't expect to go to the gym for two hours every other day it's not sustainable. Exactly. For so we're looking at sustainability and lifestyle Absolutely. change rather than diet and, you know, four hit sessions a week. And, exactly. You know. It's, it's and, and the other thing you need to also understand, uh, Jackie, which is very pertinent in the population that we are talking about is that people who are in the overweight category are prone to developing injuries. Mm. And one injury, just say, for example, ankle injury to the ligament, can cause an individual to be out of action for over six weeks, which doesn't mean just out of action, which means gaining that weight that they lost by working so hard. From the immobility of that exactly. period. And I guess we're looking at minimizing the risk of layoff. So Absolutely. overall, the consistency of healthy food going in and the um, metabolic outcomes that exercise can bring about. I'm a big believer in exercise um, increasing our mood as well. What are your thoughts on well, that? Without a doubt, the, the kind of hormones that you get a boost of, the happy hormones that mm. you get when you go out for a run or a walk in nature, I'm more of a nature person rather than going into the gym, uh, but that's a personal choice. 
but nevertheless, exercise gives you that boost of uh, happy hormones, which improves your confidence. You know, you want to go out and be able to do things. So without a doubt. Mm, so the runner's high in effect. We're Absolutely. At that. And Absolutely. you don't need to run to get the runner's high, but you generally, um, any kind of activity that will bring that heart rate up is certainly causing that um, response with the Absolutely. endorphins and um, even inflama- uh, reducing inflammation. Inflammation. Which Correct. is the key. Obesity is a very inflammatory condition. So all those different facets that come together to reduce that inflammation are only going to be good for you. Absolutely. And then the immune system and all of that. So we could talk about the benefits of exercise alone for a long time. And again, that can be of different types, but the principles remain the same. Mm. I also look toward uh, building some muscle. Mm. Uh, adding muscle to the frame and in turn then increasing that caloric uh, requirement. So sitting at your desk, if you've got 10 kilograms more muscle on your frame, Mm. you're in effect, it's like putting a V8 motor in a a car. You're burning more fuel just sitting at the lights while you're idling. So that's another outcome of exercise is that um, building strength and protecting the posture and keeping the bones and the muscles very strong, but also you burn more calories while you're getting about your day. Absolutely. And muscle is metabolically more active, to Mm. put it very simply, than fat, because fat is just inert, essentially. So absolutely, you know, having more muscle, uh, and if you can develop it over a period of time in a safe, sustainable manner, Mm. absolutely that's and the way to also go. it's key for insulin, reducing the re- insulin resistance. Exactly. So the transporters in those muscle cells will actually help to uh, reduce insulin Correct. resistance in anybody, but um, particularly those who are prone to type 2 diabetes or um, that insulin yeah. resistance picture. Um, so what sort of um, suggestions would you make for your patients when they're looking at starting an exercise program? Do you refer them to somebody who, like an exercise physiologist or personal fitness trainer, or where do you send them to for advice? I generally say it's best to find someone closer to where you live because mm. I think when an individual, and we're talking about individuals who are now looking at going back to exercise after maybe a long break, mm. It is best to be done under the close supervision of someone who knows what they are talking about. And also, perhaps if you can have a group that supports you, because there is power in a team. You know? Absolutely. If you do this sort of activity as a group of, say, three or four like-minded people meet up at the same time of the day, let's go for a walk or a session in the gym or cycling session, whatever you may be doing, mm-hmm. I think it builds consistency. It's community. It's and community. Exactly. And connection, which you know, connection. We're all exactly. Interested in that from Absolutely a community yeah. perspective. And okay. so overall, we look at the exercise picture. With your patients and their um, long term benefits after surgery, what sort of things do you suggest that would help them to ensure ultimate nutrition? What um, things do you put in place? Or- yeah. So we have got various reminders and various portals that we use to remind our patients after weight loss surgery that number one they need to be taking their multivitamins on a regular basis mm-hmm. and we are we're definitely uh, you know uh, believing in the power of you know the bn multivitamins which we have been now using for a significant length of time and i think we've had 
great compliance with that mm-hmm. and uh, thanks to the product because it's a initially we give them the chewable version and then we switch it over to a uh, you know a swallowing tablet essentially uh, but it is uh, palatable number mm-hmm. one which is a key factor that uh, people are really concerned about and then from there on we have little cards which give them reminders that every six months they need to get a blood test done if they've had a gastric bypass, especially iron and vitamin D in younger women, they can become deficient in that. And then also we have every six weeks, we have a Facebook live call through our dietitians who also give them a reminder. We encourage people to get on the call, ask questions. These are live calls. These are not recorded calls. Mm-hmm. And, and there is that level of uh, engagement, you know. Plus, the most important thing is that we get our patients to regularly visit their GP. Yes. Because anything, they have got far closer contact with the general practitioner than they have with us sometimes. And it is easier for them to go and approach their GPs and check for vitamins, trace elements, iron, vitamin D, vitamin B complex and all of that. Absolutely. And in that, just in that area of nutrition, Mm -hmm. do you see what are the prevailing nutritional deficiencies that you come across in practice? As I said, you know, iron and vitamin D uh, are the two key that we see with bypasses. This is going back, uh, going to three or four years after surgery. Vitamin B12 Mm -hmm. is something that is important that we monitor and we actively replace that. And we educate people, we give them cards that every six months they got to get tested. There's a very clear panel of blood tests that we tell the patients as well. Because at the end of the day, individuals move. Yes. They may change their GPs, they may move into state, you know. But if they have that reminder, which is coming to their phone, they have a card that they can look at, well, they will at least not forget to get that test done. And it will be their second nature to remember and get it done. And that is a lifetime commitment? Absolutely. It's a lifetime commitment. Mm. It's not something that, you know, you do it this year and you forget it for the rest of the years. We do see that some patients are under the impression that that first year after surgery, it's generally when they're under the close care of yes. their surgeon and their dietitian. And I do hear it quite often that they are under the impression that the nutritional supplements are just for that first year and then they don't need to worry about it after that. When, when that is the case, when that belief is prevailing, do you see down the track there are issues that become prevalent for these people who are not taking supplements? Absolutely. And, and Jackie, part of the reason is that it's really about reinforcing and giving a clear message in the beginning. Look, people may forget because initially they are getting so much information. Mm. They are kind of almost inundated with so much information. But I think the important thing is to set a reminder in our smartphones these days. You know, I encourage people to use their smartphones because that's like, you know, almost everyone has got a smartphone these days. So you can set a reminder that recurs every, say, six months, check blood test done. Or when, even when they are in hospital, I encourage patients to use a smartphone by even, and I'm just giving this as an example, that after surgery, when they're in hospital, I get them to set a reminder every hour on the hour, which is a reminder to drink and go for a walk. Yes. So, you know, there is technology there which can assist us in reminding us and supporting us so that mm. we don't have to constantly, but we've got to use it in the right way. And that then would set up those new habits. Absolutely. We need help to be to begin with and we need mechanisms in place that will keep that as front of mind. Absolutely. Um, and just to add to that, people who are not that tech savvy or for that matter, even if people choose to, we've got a journal as well. The mm-hmm. journal has got some 
sections in it which clearly says, hey, have you taken your multivitamins? And you just put a tick on that. So it's a, journaling is also a very powerful way of setting up a new routine, mm-hmm. a new habit. So I'm seeing through the thread here where we're obviously looking at um, front of mind, bringing nutrition to front of mind, bringing healthy choices to front of mind. Um, would you say that mindfulness is coming in as a prevailing idea? Look, I think I couldn't agree with you more, Jackie, on that. And the reason why I say that is that I see so much subtle stress Mm. in people. And, you know, that is manifesting as disease, not just obesity. It could be allergies. It could be autoimmune disorders. It could be so many other issues with gut or skin and all of that. And I think that when we all individuals are designed to handle short term stress, All individuals are designed to handle short-term stress. However, when it is a long-term stress, when that situation is constantly bothering you, whether it is your uh, relationships or it is your work matters or whatever it may be in your life, which is a constant stressor, it starts to get to a stage where the system slowly begins to break down. Absolutely. And that is what causes you to go for the easy choices because Mm. you... It's hard initially to come back from work and go for exercise. Who likes that? You just want to sit in front of the couch, turn the television on, and someone serves you food. That's very easy, you know. Who doesn't want it? But once you get into the habit of going for the fresh air and all of that, mm. you want to go out. You know? It sets up a new Exactly. Level it takes time. I'm not saying it's easy. Mm. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, doing you know. It, really? Exactly. Yeah. So the point is that managing the stress and there are not just and by stress i mean not just going for a glass of wine to de-stress yourself because again uh, i think that's not a good long-term strategy Mm. because you can go from one glass to three glasses to five glasses it's more about managing your own emotions in a way and that's where the role of mindfulness comes in Mm. that's where the role of stress management and meditation and walking and journaling and all of those are different strategies which get you grounded in the moment and thinking about your next choice you'll make exactly you're i guess you become that less reactive to that absolutely and the reason for that is jackie because a lot of us are working or coming and you know our behavior is guided by memories of the past Mm -hmm. we are either uh, you know lamenting about the past or worrying about the future we are not in the moment absolutely and all life happens in the moment you know Nothing you can do about the past. Well, that's true. And not much you can do about the future. Exactly. Well, Aaron, it's been wonderful again to have your time today. Oh, thank Thanks you. Thanks very much for your expansive and um, broad view on holistically, you know, making changes and creating new habits. We look forward to talking to you again in the BN Multi podcast. Thank you kindly for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.